Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. Charles Spurgeon said, Holiness is the architectural plan upon which God builds up his living temple. And Peter tells us that we are to prepare our minds for action. Why? So that we might be holy, acceptable to God, which we read in Romans chapter 12 is our reasonable service. How do we do that? Well, according to Peter, beginning with verse 14, it's as obedient children. Follow along in your copy of the scriptures, please. 1 Peter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Obedience. Obedience is the very best way to show. You know that chorus? Sing it with me, will you please? Yep. Obedience is the very best way to show that you children. Now last week we discovered that there are indeed some ways that we are to respond to obedience. Obedience is the obligation of God's children. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as Jesus walked. Obedience is based on the holiness of God. It is not based on a cultural standard. It is not based on our comfort level. It is based on the character of God who is holy. And obedience is an evidence of a father-child relationship. If we call him our father, if we say that we're saved, then our lives should reflect his character. And so we discovered last week that these three principles are part of obedience. Obedience. 
Now, Peter goes on to expand this just a little bit. And he helps us understand, first of all, something that is negative. We are doomed by our futile ways. I want you to mark some words in your Bible, will you please? In verse 17, I want you to mark the word father. Also in verse 17, I want you to mark the word fear. In verse 18, I want you to mark the word futile. And in verse 20, I want you to mark the word foreknowledge. And in verse 21, I want you to mark the word faith. We're going to get to all of those. Maybe not today, but we're going to get to all those, all right? Father, if you call him as father, then the scripture tells us that we are to conduct ourselves in fear through our exiled. Why? Knowing, here we go in verse 18, knowing that we have been ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by your forefathers. I want you to know that you get your sin because of your parents. It's their fault. And you know what your parents said? It was your grandparents' fault. And you know what your grandparents said? It was their parents. Yeah, you can go right on that. And that's true, isn't it? We come by our feudal ways very naturally. Now, a lot of times we don't understand feudal. King James, vain conversation. Well, what is that? New King James, aimless conduct. NIV translate this, empty way of life. What it means is we weren't any good. Now, we struggle with that concept here in the United States of America because we're pretty good. I mean, you look around and you see the other countries of this world, and we're doing okay. There is no place I would rather live than the United States of America. Amen? It is the greatest country in the world. But sometimes we need to understand that according to God's holy standard, we ain't much. God did not get a good deal when he purchased me. Now, don't smile too much because God didn't get a good deal when he purchased you either. Because we were ransomed from our futile, aimless, worthless, empty ways. Now, that's not a good feel kind of thing, is it? Or feel good kind of thing. But yet, we need to remember that our obedience has to look at where we were. And we were all lost in our trespasses and sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, as you have heard me say on a number of occasions, you may be a good sinner, you may be a bad sinner, but you're still a sinner because you do not meet God's standard. But God, understand this, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we didn't meet his standard, sinners missing the mark, Christ died. Let that soak in, will you please? Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, the only Son of God, went to the cross and died in your place and in mine. Once a month we celebrate the Lord's table, communion. 
And we are reminded of his given body. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. His given body. And his shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Christ died for us. Why? Because we had nothing to offer. We lived in our emptiness, in our aimlessness, in our vanity. Keep your finger here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Will you please? Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, Ephesians 4, 17, are you there? Now this I say, writes Paul, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That doesn't sound very good, does it? According to Paul, the Corinthian believers were just like that. According to God, that's us. Futility of our minds, ignorance, because we did not understand what we needed to do to relate to God. And we are calloused, given up to sensuality, greedy, every kind of impurity. That was us. That's the bad news. Are you still in Ephesians 4? Verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. <laughs> So what do we do? Verse 22, put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt according to deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self which was created after God. The likeness of Christ himself. You see, if we are going to obey, we need to understand what we are not supposed to do. And we are not supposed to live in the ignorance of of our futile ways. We've been ransomed. We've been bought out. We've been purchased. We've been redeemed. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, for we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in our body and our spirits which belong to God. And that price cost God his only. Now, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, please. Knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways, that you inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or without spot. God made an investment, and that investment was in the precious blood of his son. That's good news, isn't it? 
We have not been redeemed with silver and gold. You, you know there's stuff that money can't buy. Money cannot buy health. You can buy doctors and you can buy medicine and you can buy treatment, but you can't buy health. Money can't buy happiness. Some of the most miserable people in the world are the people with the most money. Money can't buy holiness. And money cannot buy your salvation. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Amen? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You cannot buy your salvation. You cannot work hard enough for your salvation. You can't do enough to get saved. Because it's not with silver and gold. Even if the price of silver might make $200 an ounce. You watch television. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without a spot. The exiles to whom Peter is writing knew something about redemption. Slaves were redeemed with silver and gold. But no amount of silver, no amount of gold can free us from sin. Only the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish will buy us. Remember back in the Garden of Eden? God slew animals and clothed Adam and Eve. Remember Exodus chapter 12? The people were in bondage. And the lamb was slain and the blood was applied. And they were freed from Egypt. Remember the wilderness? Sacrifices had to be offered. And the blood had to be applied. And once a year the, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And there he'd find the Ark of the Covenant that contained the mercy seat. Where God did not give to the people what they deserved. But the blood was placed on the mercy seat. As a covering for their sins. And it was John who declared, Behold the Lamb of God, looking at Jesus Christ, who came to take away the sin of the world. Amen? The investment that God made in your futile life, in your worthless life, in my empty life, was the blood of His Son, Jesus. Not silver or gold. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. His given body, his shed blood. That's how we get a relationship with God. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, but you can receive it as a gift.